0: Josh Alvarez.
1: You know I'm Liam O'Donnell
0: and you're listening to episode 155 of Cinepunks.
1: Cinepunks. 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 Harmonies.
0: So what's going on <laughs> man? We're doing a episode 155. We've yeah. uh, we've made it. Yeah. This far? Yeah. In well, spite of or despite of Everybody else's expectations of it. Applause, (laughs) applause, applause. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that.
1: And, uh, on this episode, we're, we're sort of going the opposite direction. Last episode, we were like, we're doing John Candy. We're doing the eighties, whatever, whatever. Mm. Uh, this episode we're doing Claire Denis, uh, and, and we're possibly covering, the breadth of her career, not in the sense of we're covering all of her movies that we've talked no. about some of her other movies in the past. We're covering possibly her best and possibly her worst movie, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, We're yeah. talking about, uh, 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 and I want to get this. Uh, you Beaux know, now nah, here's the deal. I, I'm a gonna pronounce this differently because this is how Dave White pr- pronounces it. He says, Beau
0: Oh yeah. Beau travail. No, that's yeah. correct. Is that right? Milani, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Milani told me that. I it just
1: sounds. trust Dave. Dave, if you're listening, which I know you're not, I love you, and I love your podcast. <laughs> and he always says Beau Travail, and it took me a full minute of watching this movie to be like, oh, this is what he means when he says Beau Travail, because I I just assumed it was not this word that spelled travail. travail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it's because I French for me is like, I just, I, I have so much trouble with it. Anyways, the other movies we're doing is uh, let the sunshine in. So, yeah. you know, a, 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 an earlier uh, part of her career and a much later part of her career. And a lot of people will make the claim. And I know Josh, you might end up making this claim as well. That let the sunshine in is her worst film.
0: I mean, I can't say what her worst film is. Cause I never saw right. Chocolat. I never saw like, you know, the other movies, but I mean, between these two, I will say I. it, it was my least of the two.
1: I, I it's worth stating. And we'll get into more of this during the actual episode. I also only the only other movies of her I know are uh, white material. And oh, no, three, because I forgot about one white material trouble every day. Yeah. She has the new that newer movie with Robert Pattinson. Uh, when just, did that come out? That was like two years ago. Maybe? High life. Yeah. High two life. Years ago. High life. Yeah yeah, huh. yeah. 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 No longer ago. Four years ago. Twenty eighteen. Oh, okay. All right. We can yeah. we discount oh, the two years because of you know. I very much recommend it. It is really good. It's really wow. good. Um. Yeah. So, but that's only three. That's three of her films that I've seen. And in she the has past. a huge catalog too. Yeah, I mean, not as much as some other people, but yeah, it's it's well, what you find with her is there's really um, she's got like five or six movies that everyone talks about all the time. Mm. But then when you actually dig into the to the IMDb or the Letterbox for that re for that matter. You Find that there's a lot, a lot of other movies that people aren't discussing as much, and I don't think it's because they're bad, it's just like for some people, you know, Beau Travai is the best, or Trouble mm. Every Day is the best, or White Material or Chocolat is the best, you know what I mean? So mm. then people are discussing, you know, uh, what's another one? Uh, No Fear, No Die is like not getting discussed as much. I don't know that people don't like it, it's just Maybe just doesn't have the you know what I mean? Same thing happens with any classic director, They're yeah. Like how many people have told you they love Scorsese and they've only seen like the gangster films? Yeah. And it's like, yo, that's like a very small part of his overall <laughs> filmography, actually.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. So All right. So yeah, so that's where we're hitting up today. We're we're yeah. we're doing two movies by Claire Denis and we're doing um we're doing Let the Sunshine In and we're doing Beau Travaille. So it's it's a far cry from our our John Candy episode of uh, episode 154.
1: But that's, you know, that's the flavor, man. That's the flavor. Yeah, man. That's the flow, baby. And, you know, we've we've uh, we've got some guests coming up, so they've been telling us what they want to cover, and I feel like we've got quite a variety of stuff coming up, so I'm pretty excited here. But yeah. before we get into our regular segment, Whacking on Track... Oh, we, you already did it. You said oh, it. damn it. Uh, <laughs> I we wasn't want, prepared. You did it. To, we need to thank a few people. First, we want to thank, of course, all of our supporters on Patreon. Um, me and Josh and me and Justin Lore always talk about how we're going to do stuff for the Patreon, and it never seems to work out, but I will say... If all things go to plan, then this Friday, me and Doug will be recording something for the Patreon. Whoa. Now, it is a bit of an experiment, because we had this idea of like, you know, we talk about movies all the time, me and Doug, on Cinema Uh Sport. So what if we did music instead? Because we never talk about music, really. It comes up on the show sometimes, but it's never like something we focus on. So we're going to be talking about something, and we decided to pick something neither one of us are a big fan of, and just see Mm -hmm. if that's like a good sort of place to start. It's like, we'll talk about something that we've kind of written off. That is not bad. Like neither one of us hate this thing, but it's not something that matters much to us. So that we mm-hmm. like will avoid hurting each other's feelings. Because what my first idea was like, we'll pick something you really love, and then we'll both talk about it. He's like, what if I pick something I love, and then you hate it, and that makes me yeah. feel like shit? And I was like, oh, oops, Oh
0: man, <laughs> yeah, that's is a Doug good point. Like a Dave Matthews band fan or something like that.
1: No, but he definitely has a, a bigger. We've talked about this before. He sees it as a thing. I see it as more of an issue with me. But Doug likes a lot more classic stuff than I do. Like, uh. he's a bigger Beatles fan. He's a bigger Who fan. He's a bigger, uh, well, this isn't classic, but uh, Elvis Costello. You know, like, mm. there there are certain things that I think are like, um, you know, uh, standard artsy white guy music, right? that like he has a long appreciation for that I don't dislike. I just don't know, but I think he's worried. Like what if we decide to like revisit something that is very important to him and on the revisit, I'm like, actually I hate this now. Granted, I don't think that would be a bad thing, but we're, we're, we're starting that conversation. Cause I don't think we know how it's going to work. And I think the idea is if we do it on the Patreon long enough and people like it, then maybe we do a version of it on an actual, you know, on the on actual app. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, all that to say, look forward to that, Patreon people. Uh, Josh, who else do we need to thank for this episode?
0: We need to thank our homeboy, Aaron Dalbeck and his operation, Essex Coffee Roasters. Aaron is the best. You might uh, know some of his bands, uh, but uh, he makes amazing coffee that dispels the fallacy that good coffee has to be a bourgeois endeavor. So, um, you know, Aaron's an awesome dude. He's one of our favorite people. And uh, our man always looks us out and he's always like very nice and kind to us. So uh, we would say if you were to put the word Cinepunks, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X in at checkout, if you're ordering your teas, if you're ordering your t-shirts, if you're ordering coffee from Essex Coffee Roasters, you'll get a 10% off discount of your entire order. So head over to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com and uh, let them know that Cinepunks sent you by putting Cinepunks in at checkout and get your 10% off and get your good ass coffee.
1: We also want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, look, you're doing something good that you want to promote. Then why not screen print some T-shirts, some long sleeve shirts, some hoodies, <laughs> some sweatpants, some, some fucking, uh, I don't know, jockey shorts, whatever you're feeling. Flip flops. I don't know. Booty shorts. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just ordered a pair of booty shorts from, from somebody that I thought were very fun and funny. But I thought, you know what would make these booty shorts better? they are printed at lehigh valley apparel <laughs> so head on over to xlvacx.com uh hit up chris and his team over there at lehigh valley apparel creations and get a quote on something that you need printed and i think they're going to give you the best possible deal and the best possible service all right yeah all right finally we want to thank our friend we've already talked about it a little bit our friend sharky uh over at mechanical shark media if people have been paying attention to their social media then you've been seeing that they're working on their studio space. They're going to have a space. It looks so awesome. It looks so cool. They're going to have a space for recording audio, for doing green screen stuff, for video production, for special effects. Uh, Sharky's also done puppet work. He's done... Big set pieces for plays. He does the editing and the uh, audio correction on this podcast as well as horror business. Uh, He's done work for other podcasts. He's live-streamed events like shows and sporting events. MechanicalSharkMedia.com. Check him out. You need him to help you with your media needs. You do. You just need it.
0: It's just what it is. And you'll be awesome and famous
1: if you do. And then uh, bada bing, bada boom, whack it on track. All right. All right. So, Liam, <laughs> what
0: have you done recently that is whack? And what have you done recently that is on track?
1: Well, um, I'll start. I'm actually going to start uh in an unusual place with whack because I don't do a lot of whack things oftentimes. But uh, the world is whack right now, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But I just think it's worth acknowledging since we're all dealing with it. Whether it's you know Roe v. Wade. Uh, We're recording on the day that the audio or not the audio, the video from Uvalde came out and we have actual evidence of how terrible these cops are at their jobs. Um, And it's a horrifying video. I mean, any video that has a, 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 a note on it that says uh, uh, we've edited out the children's screams from this video. That's, you know, that's a horrifying thing in the world. Um, it just feels like things are getting pretty dark you know, and, and difficult. There's people talking about how all these Supreme court decisions could lead to a constitutional crisis or a possible civil war, like Mm. literally civil war experts, like not civil wars in our civil war, but people who study civil wars around the world are like, yeah, I mean, the conditions are there. That doesn't guarantee anything, (laughs) but like we're in the spot for it. So it it just feels like things are really hard right now. And and at times like this, um, I really love that. I have you, Josh and, 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 People we love, friends to reach out to, comrades, you know, uh, fellow strugglers, uh, you know, co-conspirators in in the world. I I love all of that, but it's still hard to feel that, especially right now, because I'm so isolated. You know, I have Mm. some friends out here in Chicago, but I don't have the crew that I had when I lived in Philly. What six, seven, eight years ago? You know, so Mm, yeah, it's just hard to feel both isolated. And in a world that is very, you know, I hate to say scary. I don't want to be a, you know, people, people, uh, I worry about being someone who's like overreacting, but right now it just feels like we're all tending towards underreacting to everything. So (laughs) I, I, you know, I'm just going to say like, things are at least worrisome, if not scary. And, you know, I really hope that people listening to the show, like we are uh, a beacon of hope. And I know some of that's going to be in the fact that, we're going to talk about Claire Denis and not talk about the world. But hopefully talking about the world a little bit is also encouraging because we're we're in it with you and we see how awful it is. Uh we see the victories, you know. Uh Tom Wolf just uh signed an executive order in Pennsylvania protecting mm-hmm. abortion access in Pennsylvania, not just for Pennsylvanians, but for people visiting Pennsylvania. That's fucking great. That's awesome. And and there are little things like that, but it's also a tough time, Josh. And I'm just feeling it. I don't know if you're feeling it, but I'm really feeling it lately.
0: Yeah, no, man. I mean, how can he not?
1: Yeah, I don't I I literally don't know. And I guess there are people who are kind of like, Yeah, everything's fine. But in my world, even some of the most cynical people I know are like, Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh you know, people talk about, you know, oh I had a nightmare the other night that I was fighting white nationalists in the street, you know, like <laughs> it's just like you know, things are dark. So yeah, I mean man. I don't want to encourage anyone to give up or to, to hide. Like I think if, if you're concerned, you know, obviously look out for your safety, but also if you have the ability and the time and the resources, try to get involved somewhere, whether that's in something safe like uh, letter writing or whether that's in showing up at a protest or in other sorts of actions, you know, or maybe, you know, now's the time to get some medical training. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone make your own decisions as to what your appropriate response yeah. should be. Maybe need to dystopia, a lot of, yeah, respond yeah. accordingly. You know maybe, what I'm maybe, saying. Maybe it's time to go to a dump and get a bunch of glass bottles. You know, no reason, yeah. just to have no them idea. on hand. Just the and case. maybe it's
0: time to train with Filipino fighting sticks, like my friend Bad Michael <laughs> does. You know, get get versed in the art of the <laughs> I don't know.
1: Oh my god.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah,
1: mov- moving on from the whack of the world. Much too quickly, by the way. I know we could spend a lot more time talking about this stuff and analyzing it. Uh, but I just I, I just don't even have the energy right now. So we're gonna talk about something fun, which is just recently, Josh, I mm-hmm. had my forty-third birthday. Forty-three. I am forty years young years yeah. young. Um it you know, As I said, I don't have a ton of folks out here, so we didn't plan anything huge, but I did some fun stuff with the fam. We went to the beach in Chicago. We got some good food. Yeah, what's Chicago
0: beach like? Were you feeling it or what?
1: Oh, I've been a few times, man. I actually love, I mean, don't get me wrong. At a basic level, a lake, even a lake that is this big is not a beach Mm -hmm. or not not the ocean, right? right? So you just have to accept that you're not going to have an ocean experience. But if you let go of that, it's still a pretty sick beach. Plus, uh, the two beaches that I've been to, which are very near each other, I go to the 63rd or the 57th Street Beach. Now, granted, people from the area will notice those are more of the beaches in the city. Uh, I understand that there are more pretty beaches up north in the bougie area. And I'm not against going up there. I'll go up there sometime. But these beaches are easier for me to get to. You know, it's like 30. Mm-hmm. It's like less than 30 minutes if there's not traffic. If there is traffic, it's just 40 minutes, right? I mean, was it crowded? And both beaches are never crowded. At least I've never been there when it was crowded. So that's nice, right? And yeah, uh, and good. the other thing about it is they both have really extended sandbars. So you can go out to water pretty far and not go under. So nice. there's like little teeny lake waves that Maeve likes to play in. Um, but like, you know, a lot of times when I go... Not really trying to do any sort of deep swim. I'm just hanging out with Mavers. And yeah. so it's nice that like you can go out really far and it's only up to like your knees or thighs. Uh that's you know? pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with MAVE, that's really great because she's she's not yet at the point where she's trying to like go underwater or float or mm-hmm. shit like that. So um she has swimming lessons. We're doing swimming lessons this week, but anyways, so nice. it was my it was my birthday weekend. We did a bunch of stuff, but one of the things I did that I wanted to talk about on the show was on July 3rd, the night of my birthday. Uh Gum from uh Chattanooga, Tennessee came through town. Uh, and that is a band I very much like. So uh the show, there was a bunch of bands on the show. Opening up was a band that you actually sent me, Stress Positions. Uh oh, Stress, yeah. Stress Positions, thing. members of Chew, I believe. This is like the folks mm-hmm. from Chew's new band. And I loved Chew a lot. I thought they were really great. So I was stoked to see it. So good live. I they have such an interesting mix of like very fast noisy hardcore but then with like occasional kind of like off-kilter math parts like sort mm. of post-hardcore parts it's really good i mean i just think i think it what it boils down to is the whole band is solid but i think the guitar player is like really really good and uh their their uh vocalist is great she she had this like bodysuit on with fishnets and was just like rolling around on the ground and it was she, <laughs> it just it was that sort of intensity that isn't the like hardcore intensity you know we're like i'm a tough guy and i'm yelling at you it's like i am a very upset lady and i'm gonna scream i, I well let me say <laughs> I, I should say a uh, very uh upset lady or non-binary person i don't know uh their gender so i shouldn't we don't assume, know yeah but but presentation very femme and it really worked it looked very much like a fun almost burlesque outfit but like mixed with her int- intensity with their intensity rather. it was very much like this performance is awesome uh, And then up next uh was a band called Old Coke. Um, not really my vibe, a little more shoegazy, you know, uh, but with some noisier, it was like shoegazy, but like also with some of like, uh, more jangly emo parts and some noisier parts. It was fine. Mm -hmm. It was, it's, it's pretty good, but I also was catching up with friends. So I went outside for a little bit of that. Um, and then, um, uh, the tour was originally gum with third face and I really like third face, but third face had to drop the tour due to COVID. So Ah. then uh, there was a fill in this band called Break the Cycle, which I think was uh, their local Chicago group. They build themselves as like a crossover group, but I really think they're more just like mosh core, you know, like Mm. they have some of that thrashy stuff I associate with crossover, but a lot more, it just sounds like metal core to me, you know, Mm. Uh, but they're still really tight. Like they're good at what they do. It's just not something that I'm super stoked on, but what I am stoked on is that, They are apparently, though, a very local band, a draw for young people. So this show, dude, had a whole chunk of like actual teens, which like I can't remember the last time I went to a hardcore show with actual teens at it. (laughs) And so like that was cool, like young people enjoying the core like I'm about it. And it was fun because their pit was like some people moshing hard, like very much moshing like I'm at the year of the knife show. And then other people in big pants and wallet chains like push moshing. And somehow these two people interacted without any tension. It would be like a dude would do a bunch of kickflips and shit through the pit and then two people would start pushing each other in the middle and then they'd get out of the way so another guy could start doing his kickflips and shit and it was kind of cool it was like almost coordinated or something I really appreciated (laughs) the vibe Uh, and Break the Cycle like they brought the drums like they helped other bands set up like they were very much team players so if you like Mashi music if you like uh, Mashi music—that's definitely more metal influenced than mm. more traditional hardcore. I'd say check them out. You know, they were very nice people. You know, I—I I don't know. It—it it, it felt like they were a good presence, even if I wouldn't necessarily like buy a record. You know. Uh, mm. And then after Break the Cycle was that band Snuffed from Chicago. Have you checked them out? I have not. They're pretty great. They're—they're uh, they're starting to get really popular. They're on my man Sean's label, Another City Media, out of Chicago, and uh, it, it, they're. I guess I guess they're sort of a mix between a more like hardcore punk sort of like a uh, Get Low sort of band but then mm-hmm. they have some like heavier moshier parts like just some real breakdowny parts and they have a uh a female vocalist who's got real shreddy vocals you know so even the parts that are a little more Hardcore have a bit of a punk edge because of her voice, you know. Mm. But the thing about it is, as 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 heavy and dark as their music can get, it still feels like they're having fun, which is interesting, right? Like a lot of times when a band is like trying to be mutually
0: exclusive, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
1: But I still I feel like they enjoy playing, and I appreciate that about the band. I think they're fun. I mean, they're the sort of band that like they could play a punk fest, Mm. but if there's any hardcore folks at the punk fest, like more traditional hardcore folks, I think they would like them, you know, like they have cross Mm. appeal, I think. Uh, So I'd recommend people check them out. They have a bunch of records out, but the new record just came out. It's doing really well. So uh, people check it out. And then as you know, I'm a big fan of gum for people. That's G U M M out of uh, Chattanooga. I got to meet the drummer. He's a really nice guy. We chatted for a while. And uh, I just think they have a lot of energy. I don't know if you've checked out those records much, the gum records, but uh, I don't know them at all. Oh bro, I'm a huge yeah. fan. When you were saying um they're the sort of band that like uh they're they're definitely uh they're definitely in their sweet spot. They played a show. There was like an off show on that drug church with uh basement tour. Drug mm-hmm. church had an off night, so they played their own show like at a small venue. Gum is like the perfect band to open that, but then they also played a big punk fest with like MS Paint and Paprika mm-hmm. and uh, Parasitic Twins, like all those kind of bands. You know, like they're the yeah. sort of band that can play with the more punk bands, with the more hardcore bands. You know, it's- Kind of like a chameleon kind band. Well, what it is is uh, they have, mo- they have some moshier parts. They have a lot of like stompy, like I'm stomping through the crowd parts. And then they have a bunch of like indie rock parts, right? Like to give you a vibe, right? The drummer was wearing a Killing Time shirt. But one of the guitar players had a Q and Not You shirt on. And I feel like that really fits the vibe of the band.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the perfect pedigree there.
1: <laughs> yeah, the this, this, this singer at times is doing the stance. You know, he's got one leg out, his hand behind his back. He's mm-hmm. shouting into the microphone. And then a melodic part comes on. And I don't mean melodic like emo. It's more like, um, I'm trying to think how to describe it. It's still the sort of melodic that feels kind of like, uh, upbeat, post-hardcore, maybe even, yeah. like, maybe even like a rival schools or quicksand mm. sort of vibe. Okay. All right. And when those parts come on, he dances like Aaron from Me Without You, straight up just does the dance. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, because it's such a vibe like, I'm tough. <gasps> now I'm shaking my booty. Now I'm tough. <laughs> and I was like, yo, man, this band's the fucking best. And what's more, the whole set is fun. Like, the upbeat parts are fun. The heavy parts are fun. Like, nothing about the band is like, oh, man, these guys take themselves seriously too seriously. It's like, they're just very good and very fun. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. They, fun, yeah. they don't have no, any full good. links out yet. They just have a bunch of EPs. but I'd say if you can check out their EPs, if they're on tour, you got to see them live. They're just the the coolest folks. I really, I really dug it. It was a great show. So that was, that was a fun um, birthday thing. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as other things, I haven't gone to see really any movies in the theater um i don't think we did i talk about the last episode crimes of the future did i talk about that That's no we I didn't I talk videos. about it I, did you see it no oh man uh new cronenberg y'all i talked about it extensively on horror business are you feeling it are you into it i thought it was great i loved it great. i know i know we didn't talk about it on the last horror business that we recorded because we talked about it one before but we should have talked about it because justin finally saw it i think he didn't like the cgi i thought he i think he thought the cgi was too much I I don't agree. I thought I think the whole thing works. It's not like the best Cronenberg movie per se. Like I definitely will mm. take other things over it, but it's really good. I thought it was really really good and really had a lot of themes from his other movies done very mm. well. I thought so. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Crowns of the Future fan. I think people should see it in the theater if you can.
0: Um, well, I think we're both Cronenberg fans, right? Like oh, yeah. that's kind of a thing. We both have expressed I mean, like love. Thank for Cronenberg.
1: I don't put on either Naked Lunch or Madame Butterfly a ton. Those aren't big rewatches mm. for me. But no. like some of the newer ones I've rewatched a bunch. The breed um, is a
0: highly rewatchable one for me.
1: Yeah. But even like later ones, like I uh, Dead Ringers is a rewatchable one. Yeah, Dead one. Ringers is great. Yeah. Uh, History of Violence is a rewatchable, as is Eastern Promises. Man, I
0: forgot that History of Violence was him.
1: Bro, you, he's, at this point, History of Violence is old. He's done like yeah. Five, six more movies. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of his newer stuff I even like, but um, one of the ones I really don't dig on is A Dangerous Method, you know, the psychology movie. It's got, uh, it's still got some of the like the people you want to be in it, you know, like Vigo Mortensen, Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender, even Kieran Knightley. All those performances are good. The movie's boring. I saw it in Oof. the theater when it came out. It was just boring, but like History of Violence is great. Easter Promise is great. I actually also like Cosmopolis and uh maps to the stars uh but i think crimes of the future it's the best thing he's done for me since eastern promises which is a movie i really really like so yeah um anyways i i saw that that was really great um the other things i wanted to mention just really quickly to give you time to do your thing is uh some tv shows i've been enjoying uh i finished the new season of umbrella academy i thought that was great um it had some parts I didn't love, but overall I really liked it. Uh, same thing with Stranger Things, the new season of Stranger Things. I really liked. I have the last. Um, ep- me and Melanie
0: have the last episode of season four. Last. It's so long, but it's I think so it, I think long. It's why it. is it an hour and thirty they minutes? They just made a movie.
1: They just made a movie. It's just or a movie.
0: Two, it's two and a half hours, right? Yeah, they just made a Jesus movie. Jesus Christ,
1: what it is. why? What I mean? know, Whatever. I still Did liked you like it. it. I don't care. Yeah, I thought it was great. Okay, uh, okay i love I love the the resolution. I thought the resolution was really good. I mean, I guess we're at a point now where it gets a little predictable which side characters are probably gonna die. Mm-hmm. That is bumming me out, but I also get why, and hopefully the new season when it is done they'll finally put the lives of some of the established characters at risk. That would mm. that would make the show. I think more interesting. I also checked out that show, the bear, which is the,
0: Oh, uh, the it's on like uh Hulu, Hulu. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a cooking show based in Chicago. It's got one of the guys from oh. shameless. Uh, ex- one of the executive producers is Maddie Matheson, who also stars in the show as a side character. And it's really fucking good. It's about a, a Michelin star chef whose brother kills himself and leaves him their Italian beef place in Chicago. And so he goes and takes over the Italian beef place and tries to make it like a real restaurant. And uh, so far it's really good. I haven't finished it yet, but it's been really, really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And then another Hulu show I did finish was that show pistol, the sex pistol show.
0: Oh, you watched the sex pistols TV show. Oh,
1: I sure did. And did you like it? I really liked it. I really um, liked it. I really liked it. I think, I think, uh, I'll say up front, if you're someone for whom, well, I, I, I so what I want to say is if you're someone for whom you need perfect accuracy, the show is not the real story, right? It's a dramatic version of the story. So, if, a dramatic
0: you, retelling of the tale?
1: Yeah. It's not like how things actually went down. On the other hand, you know, friend of the show, OG Gavin, he's a real Sex Missiles historian he thought the show was good, or at least he did it first. I didn't check in with him when he finished this the mm-hmm. series, but he thought it was pretty good the last time I saw him talk about it. So, you know, it's not the story. It's based on the story.
0: Mm-hmm. For
1: me, that's okay. I don't really care, and I thought they did a really good job with parts of it. There are a couple okay. things about it I didn't love, but overall I thought it was really fun. And, like, you know, I find the story of the Sex Pistols much more interesting than the... Musical backwards. The yeah. I, there are some catchy songs. He's yeah. been, for a guy who didn't know how to play guitar, Steve Jones wrote some memorable riffs. Some some yeah. really I mean some of them were stolen riffs, but even then he re he recontextualized them enough that it's okay, you know. Yeah. Uh uh if you're wondering what riffs are stolen, there's some songs that's, that are there's a song that's basically a Stooges riff, like if you really listen. And there's mm. a song that's definitely uh the jam in the city. Oof. Yeah. It just is the same fucking riff. That being said it reminded me that that was one of the first punk records I ever heard. And there's still a few songs on that record that I really, really, they get caught in my head, man. I found myself walking around humming some of those songs. So, uh, I thought the performances were fun. Um, you know, the show makes an editorial decision, which is let's make Malcolm McLaren, the villain of the show. Cool. I'm into that. It's
0: an interesting thread to pull, but go on.
1: I mean that, that, if you've read any of the, the Sex Pistols biographies, they mostly think of him as a villain themselves. So yeah, they're they just get going that, off their vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I don't know if it's an interesting... I think it's the most defensible choice, and so therefore I was into it. I was okay. like, yeah, he All does right. seem like he sucks balls, so I'm into that. <laughs> I mean, he just seems like a lame dude. Like I'm just like bummed on him, so I was into it. I mean, it also makes it clear that he was a smart guy who really took advantage of the situation, uh, but I also think he was a bit of a, of a at least, the, the show presents him as a bit of an opportunist, and I, and I don't yeah. think that that's inaccurate. So, it is what it Fair is. Enough. Fair Anyways, enough. Anyways, like I said, it's not going to sell you on the Sex Pistols per se, but if you think the story could be interesting of the Sex Pistols, I recommend watching.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough.
1: Interesting enough. That's it enough. for me, buddy. That's it that's for me it. buddy.
0: All right. My turn. Uh, whack. Yeah, you know. On track, <laughs> uh, we, me and I have been doing a lot of stuff since uh, I last talked to you, Liam. Like, I don't think I told you about the fact that we saw a couple few bands. Okay. The first being Joan Jet and the Blackhearts featuring former drummer for the Bouncing Souls and friend of ours, Mr. McDermott on the drums. So it was kind of weird seeing him on the stage of Citizens Bank Park, but okay. And then right after that was a little band from Pennsylvania. You might've heard of them. They're called poison. I saw poison and you know what? Say what you will about the glam rock of the eighties and uh, early nineties. I still love that shit. And it was dope. And poison sounded amazing. And CC DeVille came out and he looked like a hair model. He looked like he was sponsored by Pantene. And the thing is, that dude learned how to play guitar under famous guitar player Yitzhak Perlman in New York City. And he still played every single solo note for note. And I know because I'm a Poison fan is what you may or may not know about me. And uh, But I didn't know that they were from Pennsylvania. <laughs> Brett Michaels was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, from Hatboro, Pennsylvania, Ricky Rocket," and he was like announcing where everybody else was from. And I was like, "Wait a minute, they're not from Los Angeles, where I thought they were from." <laughs> Turns out, no. Turns out, no. But what's uh,
1: weird is I am not a Poison fan, and I fully knew
0: that. Oh my god, dude! They still played. They played some deep cuts, and I was like, "Yeah!" Like knew all the words. Like they played "Mama's Fallen Angel," and I started floor punching because it was dope. And then after them was a little uh, band called Def Leopard, or according to my mom, Depp Leppo. And uh, they opened their set with four songs off of a record that they wrote in the last two years. Gross. Oh, my God. It was so weird. I was like, what is even happening right now? And then they played Rocket off of, uh, off of uh, Hist- or, um, Pyromania. No, was it Pyromania or was it? No, it was on Hysteria. And uh, yeah, that Rocket song kills super hard. And then they were doing like that vintage part of the set. But then they broke into an acoustic section where all of them were playing acoustic guitars in the middle of the stage, which is weird. But it was Def Leppard. And it was cool. And, you know, they, they did the Armageddon in it and they poured some sugar on me. And that was cool. And then after that came out a little band. You might have heard of them, Liam. They're called Motley Crue. Now. Vince Neil came out in a kimono. Not only did he come out with like his rock and roll chaps and like an impossibly long wallet chain that wasn't attached to any visible wallet, if I'm being honest with you, he had a kimono on over it with what I think was a painting of himself on the back of it. And then, like Jesus Christ, it was incredible. And uh, so he came out, and then fucking Nikki Six was there, and because he plays bass in that band. And Nick Mars like just looked weird and like awesome though, and like they all sounded good. And uh, and the the drummer guy was There's there no too. There's no way that
1: Motley Crue sounded good.
0: Here's the thing: Vince Neil has not taken care of himself nearly as well as our man Brett Michaels of Poison has. And as a result, he can't really hit the high notes anymore. I'll be honest with you. But that said, he did have a trio of ladies on stage with him. You know the song Girls, Girls, Girls. Well, he had Girls, Girls, Girls on stage with him. And it was like, oh, yeah, wow, look, these like sexy chicks doing sexy chick metal dancing. But they also had microphones and were singing all the choruses. And I think it's because Vince Neil can't sing the choruses to those songs anymore because they're just too high. They're super high. So, uh, yeah. It, it, sonically, I guess he was fine. It was fine. like, But the rest of the music for, for Motley Crue was pretty fun. And, uh, yeah, it was like a stadium show. We were at Citizens Bank Park. And uh, it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. It was an interesting uh, interesting event. And um, I had a great time. Super fun. Me and Milani had a blast. It was cool. And we got Motley Crue t-shirts because, you know. And um, so that was fun on track. I'll put that. And then we saw
1: this I I just can't. I can't relate to any of that. I know. I know. I mean, well, the, there, the closest I get to that kind of music is War. Manowar. Yeah, War is good. But,
0: uh, you know, I listen, you're not going to get me out here explaining why I love Poison. <laughs> it's not going to be a thing. If you love it, then hey, you love it. And if you don't, then that's on you. You know, I
1: happen to love it. Are you um, also a Skid Row fan?
0: Yes, I'm a Skid Row fan, man. What about Wasp? Wasp, I don't really know the catalog for. Okay, okay, not so much. I mean, I love Guns N' Roses. You know, it's just what it is, Liam. It's what I was raised on. You know,
1: you know, I am not gonna lie to that, uh, yeah. I spent Aptide a lot of time for with. Destruction for, destruction. for destruction is a perfect record. I mean, it's not because it's kind of fucked up, but it's but it is like musically, okay. it's a perfect record. It kind of sucks
0: politically. There's a bit of an issue there, but you know, (laughs) whatever.
1: I'm saying so. I'm
0: just, but here's the tie in though. So, I got a girls, girls, girls t shirt because it's funny, right? Like, it's just a picture of Motley Crue from like 1989, and it says in the neon thing, girls, 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 you know. And uh, I wore that to a little club called Fabrica this past Sunday for drag brunch, where we saw the queen. Raja of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race season three winner and also RuPaul's Drag Race all stars all winners season seven current contender. So we got to see her do her thing at Fabrica and I wore a girls 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 t-shirt and it was awesome. Um, but it was fun. It was cool. I mean like the drag brunches at Fabrica tend to be a little long but it's a good time every time you get to go and when the Ru girls are there everybody shows out and it's like kind of a wild time. And that's exactly what that was. So I got to see that and uh, we got the meet and greet. So there will probably be a photograph or two surfacing of me with the Queen Raja while I'm wearing my girls, girls, girls t-shirt from Motley Crue. Pretty fun. But that was a good time. And then we followed that up yesterday night with a show by Mr. Steve Von Till of Neurosis. You like Steve Von Till's solo stuff, Liam? Have you ever listened to it? I have
1: never listened to it.
0: Oh my God. So you know how like Neurosis is heavy?
1: Yeah, in fact, did I tell you about this? So, friend, a friend of the show, uh, Jim, was like, "Yo, I don't understand why." Because I guess I said something dismissive about neurosis. Like, I described them as like too much like male aggression. But she's like, "You like hardcore? What do you? What the fuck are you talking about?" And I'm like, "No, that's fair. I guess for me, later neurosis, it just sounded like all noise and yelling, you know, and Ooh. less like uh, build up and and less like." uh you know, syncopation, whatever, but he seemed dismissive of that. And then Adriana jumped in as well. Cause she's a big neurosis fan. So I was like, fine, 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 fine. So I re-listened to some of the, not as much as I meant to because I have ADHD and I get distracted, but I re-listened to a couple of those later. I say later, mid era neurosis (laughs) records. And uh, they are pretty good. It's just, it's not really my preferred form of, Aggressive music per se, but they Mm. are good. It's, it's, I guess it was never that they weren't good. I think probably what it was at the time is they weren't moshy. Yeah, (laughs) I get that. When I liked heavy, when I liked that kind of stuff, I preferred stuff that had breakdowns. Um, Mm. but I think parts of it are very good. So I don't know. I, I need to keep going on my deep dive, which is purely inspired by Jim because I just like, I couldn't, when he called me on it, I was like, I I'm actually amazed. I said that because I just something that came out of my mouth and as soon as he called me on it, I was like, yeah, that, that shit don't make no sense. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but, uh, but it is true that I've never, uh, th- the whole point of that was to say at the time that I listened to old neurosis. and thought it was great. So yeah. now I'm like, okay, well now I need to like, go through their whole catalog again. I just haven't had time to do that with the sort of listen that I want to, you know,
0: dude, I've loved neurosis ever since uh through silver and blood like that so like i get the pain of mind stuff and i understood that but i came into neurosis right when times of grace came out right like right in those relapse years uh like but kind of around the same time like tribes in a row and all that stuff was they were doing that too but man like they've been one of my favorite heavy bands for as long as i've been listening to heavy music and like heavy heavily influential for when i was in belagost and like other of the more like slower stuff that I've done musically, but neurosis will always be like this perfect convection of like this weird philosophical bend in terms of their lyrics. And then the sonic heaviness that is neurosis, but the Steve until solo records is that transposed to a more sweeping, and gentler instrumentation. Like there's a lot of keyboards and there's a cellist.
1: I don't and, think I could get down with this, Josh. Oh I my God. Know. But then he
0: adds like this swirling, this like, I can't even describe it. Almost a psychedelic element to it, but it's the lyrics that our man, Steve until writes that just brings me to a place where it's like, you know, he had this, like, so when they played at Johnny Brenda's, they were all on the stage and it was like pin drop quiet. And like, there are parts where Steve until would put on reader eyeglasses and read from a book, which was really fun. It's just a little ridiculous. But like, you know, like, dude, it's just so epic. And it's so broad. And I can't. He had one line. I've been saying it all day ever since he said it last night where he was saying like, you know, he's like the music is real swirly and everything. It's almost like Godspeed You the Black Emperor, like that kind of vibe, you know? And then he's like reading from this book into the microphone. And then he, one of the lines was, um, and I will swim deep in the waters so old that they have spoken to gods. And it's just so weird and beautiful. And it was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous set. And I was completely enthralled for the hour and a half that he played. So 100% on track.
1: I don't understand any of that
0: but oh, I also so good I
1: mean I, you know again I'm the guy who doesn't get neurosis. like when times of grace came out I I you know they were playing shows with bands like Converge you know and yeah. you know like I went straight from Converge or uh uh Integrity or even bands like Zeo. I went straight from that to like Carcass you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so like that more you know they're they're kind of door guy metal neurosis at that mm. point, you know, and i I should have given it more of a chance, but it I guess I sort of put it in with like um, maybe like the dwarves or something, you know what I mean, like what? dwarves, yeah, or uh maybe not dwarves, what do I mean um who's the band I'm thinking of, like older, super noisy. Like the Melvins? Yeah, that's what I meant. The Melvins, my bad guys. Dwarves. Jesus Christ. Well, again, no, I mean, it, was, I, I, it makes me think of that. Like,
0: see, it's funny. Like, there was that one era of like almost exclusively relapse bands that I was into, like bands like them, bands like Ohm, uh bands like uh, just a uh, uh, like oh, that Were, weird, you, were like, you
1: were you a Today is the Day fan? Yes, I am a today is the day Yeah, fan. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there was a couple today is the day songs I thought were brutal, but I couldn't get into the whole record. I just there's just something mm. again, this is all opinions from when I was like 20. So yeah. you know I what get I mean? It. I like get it. 99, I was 20 years old. So uh what do I think now as a 43 year old? Well, I listened to uh the other day, I listened to In Silver and Blood and Times oh. of Grace, and they were both cool. But I, I wasn't necessarily won over. So I think what I want right. to do. I think that I think really it is true that Neurosis is the kind of band you could just start at the beginning and go yeah. through and you're like on a fucking journey. I think I really want to do that. I just need the time to do it, you know.
0: Yeah. No, it's a lot of investment. It was funny though. I was telling me a lot of yesterday, like Steve Vontil's career as a musician is the one that I like admire almost the most. Wow. Just because he really has done so much. Within the realm of aggressive music, that the music last night was so soft and so gentle. Like I said, it was like cellos and just real beautiful, but the immeasurable weight of the mm. psychic like, degradation that this man is essaying in and and his songs, so beautiful
1: so wow. immense. Wow. Yeah. Weird Al's right there, and you're going with Steve until, That's crazy. I know. Well, I mean,
0: I love Weird Al, too, though. <laughs> I'm just don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. I was, talking <laughs> to, I was talking to Red Cheeks about Weird Al today, and I was like, yeah, man, that dude's like 70 years old, but he's vegan, so he looks like he's 20. I don't know. Fuck
1: him. That, yeah, that's true.
0: Kept all his hair, too. I hate him. But whatever. Neither here nor there. So yeah, so that's what I got. As far as movies go, I did see the new George Miller movie, 3,000 Years of Longing.
1: Oh, wow. How is it?
0: It is, uh, the pull quote that I gave to the allied guy was, uh, it was a lyric, strange and lovely. It is a wild movie. And, uh, I loved it. I thought it was seriously super good. Uh, I don't really like eat Elba like that, like I haven't really like celebrated him really, except for that time that he was in the Hobbs and Shaw movie. But like, he's pretty good as the gin in this movie. And, uh, so the story goes, Tilda Swinton is a professor of storytelling, which I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess it must be because it's in this movie. And she travels to um, she travels to Turkey to uh, to Istanbul to do uh, a seminar on storytelling. And while she's there, she's having these weird visions, and then she like passes out on like during her uh, presentation at the university. And then she's on her way home and like, you know, she's hanging out with the homies that are from there and they go to a store and the store is made of three rooms. And in the third room, there's like no light, but there's a pile of stuff and she goes through the pile of stuff and she finds like this melty little vial that she then takes and she's like, this is the one I want. And the dude that she's with is like, no way, man, you should get something that's beautiful. This is all burnt and it's all sooty and everything. She's like, well, it's still the one that I want. And then she takes it home to her hotel room and she's sitting there and she's trying to clean it off in the sink and she rubs it. And then a genie pops out and the genie is played by Idris Elba. And then you get a thousand and one Arabian night style story of vignettes of how he came to be in that particular vase. And then how like he's to grant her three wishes. And in order for him to be freed from the mortal plane and he's like not the trickster gin, he's more of like a, a reasonable and an honest one that that's the only way he can be freed from his cage, which is this bottle. And um, Tilda Swinton is like a storytelling um, professor, right? So she knows that every time you tell a story with three wishes like this, it's a cautionary tale. So she doesn't want to make any wishes because she's afraid that it's going to impact her, the universe in a negative way. But then like, oh, it just turns into like something else. And by the third act, you're talking about something completely different. And uh, it's still the story between, you know, the djinn and the storyteller expert, but it just goes somewhere else. And it, it's wild. But it's George I, Miller. I really want to
1: see it. I really. It's
0: see it. so good. I didn't think it was like pejorative. It didn't feel at all false. You know what I mean? It didn't have like that patina. I want to like, go
1: back to this whole you're not into Idris Elba like that, considering the unjustified hard on you have for vin diesel i don't understand that at all
0: did i not mention that i was okay with uh, idris elba in the hobbs and shaw spinoff
1: yeah the worst example of idris elba <laughs> i mean what are you an idris elba fan yeah of course i am i'm a rational human who can <laughs> who understands good acting and beautiful people I, would, I mean, I would praise him on his work on the wire alone. But then you have the magic that is Luther and he proves that he is a God among men.
0: I've never seen both of those shows.
1: Yeah, that's what's wrong with you. That's one of many there, things. Wrong that's with one you. of many things <laughs> wrong with me. You. you are not the only person. Okay. That's a little that was a little harsh. But I no, I really do like <laughs> him. I, I, I can only I mean, he's definitely done things that aren't great. But again, considering I mean, who are we comparing him to? He's certainly less embarrassing than The Rock. so I don't know. Last
0: time I checked, The Rock wasn't a house DJ in England. But, you know,
1: whatever. Teach their own, you know? I mean, that's I guess that's fair. But, you know, (laughs) oh, see, the reference I was going to make is no good to you either because you don't watch anything on TV. Because I was going to say, well, but Hodor is a fucking house DJ and he's on the Pirate Show. So I don't know. I don't really mind.
0: (laughs) The Pirate Show is so good, though.
1: Yeah, you know, Hodor is on the Pirate Show. He's a house DJ. He's far more popular of a house DJ than even Idris Elba is. Really? That's what he's known for. This whole acting oh. thing is like his side gig. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, that said. Shit I is mean, weird in England, all right, man? Yeah, it's different over there. It's different over there. But uh, I do celebrate this movie. It's really, really well written. It's really well constructed. It's very tasteful, and it's like exploration of these folk tales from uh, different culture. And George Miller is a great director. He's yeah, a good director man. Like that dude fucking rules. And he knows how to like handle actors that are such huge personalities as the two main actors that he has in this movie and he makes it it's so believable and it's just so lovely. It's such a fun movie. It's very interesting.
1: <laughs> I'm into it. I want to see it really bad.
0: Yeah, it doesn't come out till August 31st, but uh, 100% recommend I think it's an amazing movie, and it's super, like, just fun. If you like, uh, number one, vignette stories. If you like stories that involve magic, uh, but still have something very real to say about the human condition, this is that movie for you. So that's what I saw. 100% on track. Certified on
1: track. I'm, a little, I'm, I'm honestly a little jelly, because I want to see it really
0: bad. But Dude, you, when you see it, we have to do an episode on it, because you're going to love it. I can guarantee Okay. And I think we should talk about it. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's take a break and come back and talk about these Claire Denis movies.
0: Yeah, Claire Denis movies. When after the break, we're going to be talking about Beau Travail, and we're going to be talking about Let the Sunshine In. After the break. <laughs> about movies by claire denis it's funny i was watching the um so you know we watch these movies on criterion right and i was watching the beau Trevet um thing there's a one of the film professors does uh a dissection of beau Trevet in terms of the dance that's in the movie sure yeah that moves and like the dance floor and stuff and it's funny because she kept on saying like claire denis funny like the way it's probably supposed to be said, she was calling her like Claire Donnie. Like she's like very Frenchy. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow. I don't know who she's talking about, but Claire Dennis put her foot in this movie. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this shit is dope. Claire Dennis. Claire Dennis is totally dope. But did you, Denis, did you know feel like is.
1: the video essay, did it give you any insight into the movie? It definitely did.
0: It definitely, I mean, like, but it spoke to like a deeper dissection of what like the movie lends itself to. And it was really interesting to me. To hear uh, actual intellectual say things uh, that you and I probably would think about it had we seen it or when we saw it because we did see it.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So um, okay. okay, So what is this? What is this movie? Well,
0: well, let's talk about why. What we know about Claire Denis first. Like, sure. what do you know about Claire Denis?
1: Uh, she directed Trouble Every Day. <laughs> so did you already have material. a relationship
0: with her movies? With her? With her? Uh, the limited catalog that we know. We've discussed like you already saw those movies.:
1: Oh yeah, 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 that's the, for me, why did you see them? Oh, uh, well, uh, white Material actually played at the Philly Film Fest, and I didn't catch mm. it at the Film Fest, but then I watched it later. and um that was a years ago that was years and years ago. and uh, as you know, um I uh have friends from Austin that I met at Fantastic Fest. And one of them was telling me that one of his, one of the movies that sort of was like the most personal for him, like a movie that really kind of affected him because he saw uh-huh. it so young, not not young, young, but like it was just early in his film. You know, watching whatever was Trouble Every Day, and I was like, oh, that person directed White Material, which I was familiar with from the Philly Film Fest. So then I watched Trouble Every Day, and that is a, I mean, it's funny because she's become such a, a art house director, but a lot of people would credit Trouble Every Day with beginning French extremity that like French extremity as a genre
0: begins
1: yeah. with this Claire Denis movie, which is so crazy since nothing else she's done is in that realm per se, but I don't mm. know that they're wrong. Like, I think that's probably true that it, it that's one of I the mean, first movies. But films.
0: you enjoy like that genre of like French extremism, right? Like you're uh, into it. I Well,
1: I, I, I was briefly very, very into it. I think now it's really just a couple of movies. I don't think, I think, I think, the more that that I don't, I wouldn't even say it's a full genre. I don't think, I think there's a few interesting movies and then a few people copying those movies, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that it, existed long enough to qualify as even like a move, like a movement, like a French new wave or something. Yeah, I don't think it was quite that, but I understand Mm. why it got that name. And a few of the movies in that realm, I do really like, Mm. um, but a few of them I need to rewatch. So for example, I did rewatch martyrs, which was a very important movie to me when I first saw it. And then as I rewatched it recently, parts of it just didn't really work for me anymore. And I found it kind of cornball. But most of it did work. So it was kind of a mixed bag. So I don't know if maybe my taste has changed or mm-hmm. what, but I've actually thought. What
0: other movies would be counted in this French extremism? Are we talking like hot tension? Are we talking like, um, climax? Like, is it Gaspar Noé? Like, what are we talking about here? What okay. You say that?
1: Okay. So uh, a lot of people would include hot tension though. I would not personally only because, um, uh, the, the, French extreme and a lot of people would re uh rename it the European extreme because there's other movies sort of outside of France that people would count um uh for me they're often about something more you know uh Uh, uh and I feel like hot tension is not about anything yeah <laughs> and and i think it's bad i think that's the other thing i think yeah that i that don't like that
0: movie either, for the record
1: um let's see here so a lot of people would include movies like pola x or in my skin or really? uh glowing eyes um again this list has high tension on it i would also uh there's a movie i'm trying to remember i don't think it's actually french i think it's from another european country but it's called a uh, cavalier or cavalier or something like that uh, cavalier mike well, cavalier friend of the right show. exactly yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> um yeah What's a
0: lot up, of mike?
1: people a lot of people include gasper uh noe or no or however you say it mm. uh, but i don't think climax because that's a newer movie i think they would go with one of his older
0: irreversible
1: yeah probably irreversible oh. there was another movie on this list though that i Okay. Well, I will say this. I don't know. It, it, people separate out the new wave of French extremity from the new wave of French horror. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's Calvair. It's a Belgian film called Calvair. Um, So new wave of French horror would specifically be high tension, frontiers, mm. martyrs, Shaitan, them, inside, Calvair. Uh, Sure. Whatever. Uh, that's part of the issue, right? Right. I didn't it's mean just to kinda... get us off track talking about this whole fucking thing. Cause it doesn't really fit with the movie we're talking about, but just to sort of round it no, out, no. but the, her
0: place in that pantheon of being a progenitor of that, which is not a thing I enjoy by and large, you know what I mean? Like, that's an interesting thing to me. Just like, it's interesting to me that she was like, uh, she, she worked with the vendors on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you have this like art house pedigree that was then translated to a thing like a French, Extremity, like that's wild to yeah, me. Yeah, but I, but I think it's,
1: but I think it's like, uh, you know what I would compare it to? Okay. If you ask a lot of people what their favorite emo record is, uh-huh. they might say Sunny Day Real Estate. Okay, but nobody in Sunny Day Real Estate was trying to do a emo, like that wasn't a thing that they were right, interested right, in, right? And they wouldn't even consider themselves part of that world, you know what I mean? Um, I think that's what's going on here. Like a movie like Frontiers to mm-hmm. me. Those those folks were, they were following a trend, you know, and that sounds like a criti- criticism. I don't mean that, even though I do think that movie's bad. I think mm-hmm. the decision to be like, oh, there's something going on, and we want to be a part of it. That's not a bad thing to do, per se. Yeah. But I think trouble, especially every-
0: for a young director, yeah. an aspiring director. Like- but I think
1: Trouble Every Day is its own fucking thing. That just happened to coincide with some other interesting movies, you know? Okay, I'll give it that. Okay, fair enough. That's, that's my feeling. That's my feeling on it, and people can disagree if they want. Right, point right, is, right. Point is, Bo Travai was not her first film, uh, but I think it was her first film that got her a lot of attention, right? Uh, that tracks. Uh, yeah, that yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the stuff before this seems, well, I Can't Sleep was in 94 uh but then some of this other stuff i'm not sure that anybody saw it it looks like shorts a lot of shorts but uh she did beau trevi in 99 trouble every day in 2001 uh friday night in 2002
0: um, That's the thing. Like when I started reading up on Claire Denis just for this episode, yeah, I didn't realize that she, her career really much started around like the year two thousand, like around there.
1: She did stuff before that, but I don't think people noticed until Beau Trevi and and Trouble Every Day. Mm, interesting, interesting. So Bo Travai is based on for people who uh, are familiar with this story, Billy Budd, uh, by uh, what's his name, the uh, Moby Dick guy. <laughs> uh Mel, Mel, what is his name Melville? Herman Melville. Yeah, yeah, yeah Herman yeah. Melville. He wrote this Billy Budd story which most people read as a queer narrative or at least think it probably is a queer narrative, but it's a story about a, a sailor and uh he, you know uh an idea of like justice on the seas and whatever. Uh-huh. And this movie, Beau Travail, is a very loose interpretation, interpretation of it. Thereof, it's, it's, yeah. it's set in the, in the French foreign legion.
0: It's more but- thematically connected to the concept of foreignness. Yes. And uh, cause it's, it, it takes place in Djibouti and it is about a troop of the French foreign legion.
1: Well, and it's worth noting that Claire Denis grew up in a uh, colonial French Africa. And so that theme of colonialism of, of race, honestly, uh, and of the, the European presence in Africa, it's in a bunch of her movies. And in fact, mm. I think it's even present in the movies that aren't obvious, like trouble every day is, you know, to some extent about a guy keeping, uh, his vampire lover in his basement. But in another way, it is also about otherness and Europe and all these other more political things as well. And it's interesting how she sort of works it in to a number of her movies. I, I mean, there's even, I would say a political underpinning to high life, although not necessarily one of uh colonialism, though you could maybe make that argument um in Beaureva, it's colonial France, it's being in Africa um mm. it's the idea of the French Foreign Legion as a way into French society, and of course, not surprisingly, considering the source material, it's about men. And the homoeroticism of men, yeah. but viewed by women. It's a very, like, yeah, it's a very female f- them gaze them film. Gaze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a really
0: interesting movie. It's more of a, it's been described in some of the criticism or critical things I've read about it as a visual snapshot.
1: Sure. It's yeah. not
0: an actual narrative, right? Like, it's all told in retrospect through the perspective of Galou, played by Dennis Levant, who was, uh, like Love that's him. A, Love him. he is awesome. He is the dude that was in a bunch of those Leo's Carax movies. Yep. He he's so cool in those movies. And I, I mean like especially in movies like Holy Motors and like uh, where he plays that dude in the green suit. Yep. Or uh what was the other one? Um Tokyo. He's in the Tokyo movie where he turns uh, into the chair.
1: Yeah, and he's in Malv's Song and yeah. he's in uh something else that is isn't a Leo's Carax movie that I really like. Well, I don't remember what it is. Tokyo. I don't know.
0: Feel free to fact check us Listeners um, But that's the thing right Oh like, he's so- in
1: Night of the Kings Did you see Night
0: of the Kings? I did not
1: Oh man that's that one set in the prison In I think in the Democratic Republic of Congo Or something like that uh, And he's like the one white prisoner In this African prison And it's Whoa. really good That's a great It's a, uh, If you Who haven't seen it? Night of Kings uh, uh, boop, 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 boop. Philippe Lacote uh, it's, it's, uh, I think entirely an African production. And then he's like the token white prisoner in the prison. <laughs> wow. He's really good at it though. And like, it, it, yeah, he's an interesting actor. I like him. Mm.
0: Well, anyway, he plays Galou, who's, uh, the, uh, longstanding member of the, of the French foreign legion Love this troop. He's like, uh, I don't know if that's like, if that makes you like some type of leader.
1: He's i he's a he has a he has a rank. I think he's a master sergeant or something like that. Like he he is not yet in charge, but he's been around a while, long enough to 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 be the the second in command. Yeah, and he's he, like
0: the dude that leads them in marches and in exercises and so on and so forth. He's like that
1: guy. And the movie focuses a lot on his perspective, but the dramatic tension is that his mentor father SDA. figure yeah. possible crush uh mm. is moving on to a younger more charming person yeah in the- so
0: so basically what happens is um santan is played by gregor colin and he is like this new recruit to this troop of the french foreign legion and um he pulls a rescue of uh, of people that are in after a helicopter crash at sea or whatever, and he rescues people. And um the actual com- commander of this troop played by um Michel Sabor. Subor. Michel Sabor. He plays um uh Forestier, right? He's like the sure. dude who's like the overarching, like kind of let's call it a father figure for the lack of better term because I've never been in the military or on a sports team. And um, he is giving uh, Santan all the praise and he's giving him like extra attention. And like, uh, you know, it's causing this weird jealousy tension for Galou, who is like the second in command of this troop. So then uh, it, it, the whole movie is this weird, like, because you know that Galou's been kicked out of the French Foreign Legion. At the beginning. And he's telling the story as, like, one tells, like, writes a story down, right? Like, like uh, he's journaling kind of, or something. Like, like, like he's that. authoring a book or an essay on what happened, right? And um, so you, you travel through without, like, it's, there's no dialogue. Well, there is, but it's not like, that's not like the focal point of the group. The most actual telling that you get between two characters is between Forestier and Galou right? Like yeah. you barely, Santan doesn't really even <laughs> say anything throughout the whole movie,
1: but he the does, movie, he does a couple good things though. Like he does he a couple does a things. Lot of
0: good stuff yeah. in the movie, right? Like he, again, he saves the dudes. Like you see him swimming, this rescue people from this helicopter crash, but the movie is strange because in as much as it is a narrative, it's kind of not a narrative, right? Like, did you get that feeling while you were watching? Well,
1: it? it's very much a lot of, um, a lot of men wrestling and working out.
0: Yeah, it's um, like definitely an exploration of the way these men's bodies move, mm-hmm.
1: and it's a it's a, a lot cool. of shots of like the locals staring at them, like yeah. the fucking weirdos they are. Like them digging ditches or doing military things, mm-hmm. and then local people just watching them, like you would watch a a troupe of clowns. Just yeah. like what is going on with these folks, and really. Constant reminders that they are out of place in almost everything they do. They are a foreign body, yeah, just hanging out in this in, in this weird landscape, right? It's a very barren, very Brilliant. arid landscape, yeah. but there are three separate sequences that
0: take place with these actual French foreign legionnaires in a dance club, and this dance yes. club is oddly framed, I'll say. And it is, uh, it looks like it's stilted. a shot
1: of a mirror and yeah. you're seeing them reflected in the mirror.
0: Yes. And like the, you know, there, there's a bunch of like actual tropes played out in the arena of this here dance floor. And it shows up three times in the movie, right? And each of these times shows both Galou and Santan in like an uh, expository kind of way in that they move through the club and they interact with the girls in the club in ways that are very indicative of the characters that they play in this movie, that they're detached, that they're somehow mechanical, that there is like a, a weird um, disenfranchisement that's going on with both of these characters that is similar in a way, but also not the same. Does that make sense? Totally. So that's, that's playing out throughout this movie. Like in the first scene, you see like the rest of the Legionnaires and they're dancing and they're carousing and they're doing like what you imagine like young, you know, soldiers do in a dance club, right? Like they're talking to chicks and they're dancing with people and stuff and, and it seems like very festive, right? But Galoo is like he's really focused on one young lady who we know is Riha, but then he also kind of doesn't really interact with her at all. And then you have Santan who doesn't talk to anybody and doesn't dance. He's just kind of moving through the crowd and they show his perspective of that. It's it's pretty interesting, because, again, this is what that video essay on the Criterion app was about. And uh, once she said it, I was watching, I watched it again just to see it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is really strange. Like, and Well, then, and like,
1: it, it connects to that final shot, right, of Galoo yeah, yeah, dancing Galoo alone in the club. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, like, and then the, the next shot, the soldiers are in there, and it's, like, different, it's the same women, I think, but then, like, the soldiers are, like, more formally dressed, like, they have their hats on, and they have, like, they're full, like dress clothes on, and everything's like super pressed and primped and everything. And then the third scene on the dance floor is just Galu by himself, out of uniform, smoking a cigarette, and he's dancing like his life depends on it. And uh, and that's the actual arc of the story, right? Like, so the whole story plays out. What ends up happening, the main conceit of the movie or the main conflict, is that Galu gets so jealous of Santan that he sends him away from the camp with a broken compass and like some trumped up, like uh, punishment type stuff. Right. Saying he did something wrong. He's like, well, you have to leave and come back and here's a compass to help you find your way back. But the compass is broken. So, and they're in like a desert. So Santan doesn't make a back. And uh, you, it's, it's un- unclear if he actually p- dies. But he's like in the desert, dehydrated, with this compass that's broken. He can't find his way back, and then he gets picked up by a bus of women that then look after him. And again, it's it's never revealed if he actually lives or if he doesn't. But that's how that story ends, and this is how Galoo gets kicked out of the Legionnaires because it was years. it was
1: too it was too much. And in the yeah. in the original Billy Budd story. Um, I think it's something like Billy Budd defends himself from someone, but kills that person. And then he gets similarly court-martialed for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and then, so the story, the third act of the story is Galoo, a normal society in Marseille, and it's him putting together his bed, you know, and he's not a, an officer anymore. And the final scene is him. Well, the second to last scene is him putting his bed together. And then he gets a handgun out. And he lies down on this bed with his handgun. And the implication being that, I guess, that he kills himself. I can't really tell. You know what I mean? And then we focus in on a pulsing vein in his arm. And then the next thing you see is Galoo on the dance floor by himself. And where, whereas for the most of the movie, he's pretty staid and he doesn't really express himself at all, he goes into a dance that is so violent and so physical. And this is like the ultimate expression of who this man is and then fade to black. And that's it.
1: This is the sort of movie that if it, if you love it, you fucking love it. it. And if you, if it doesn't work for you, you fucking hate it. Like people who don't like this movie really fucking hate this movie.
0: I really fucking love this movie. It's so good. It's so interesting. It's such an interesting way to show the journey within a man. You know, even against the backdrop of whatever queer themes are in there, if whether or not they're in there to begin with, I don't know. But the actual transformation from Galoo, where he is at the beginning of the movie, to where he ends up at the end, is nothing but night and day. It's intense. And
1: I love do you, it. Do you really feel like you didn't feel like there were queer themes in there?
0: I mean, like, it, it's, it's just strange because it's like, I don't know anything about the French Foreign Legion. Like maybe just hugging each other is how they f- learn to fight. I don't know. Like it's, you know, and
1: I just it, think the 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 focus of the camera is always to make you think about these men together and um hugging. and yeah well, with n- no shirts on. And not even Which, just that, not even just that to, to to just sexualize them together, but just to talk about like they're in a context where it's just sort of them interacting, right? Mm. And The ways that Galoo is jealous, it feels very much like a jilted lover scenario. And so there's a question of suppression, like to what extent? I mean, in anything having to do with colonialism, there's this moment where the commander is like, well, you know, sex and violence is why we're here. You know what I mean? Like no one would join the Legionnaires without it. Uh, How much of colonialism is related to the sublimated sexuality Of the communities from which they come, you know, Mm, but also the ways that um, they're stuck sort of together in this uh, males only community and there's all this weird tension and posturing between them. It very much to me and. Of course, being based on Billy Budd, which a lot of people read as a queer narrative, yeah, not exclusively. I'm sure there are interpreters who don't see it that way, but it, it, you know, it feels that way. I mean, it's one of the things I love about that about the pirate show, which is, you know, that's not the name of the show. It's uh, our Our flag flag means means death. Is acknowledging that, like, if a story is on the sea uh, in this time period, it 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 involves. uh, men loving each other—that's just the reality. That's just the truth <laughs> of the matter. And I think that the, that some of that carries over here. And you know, I'm not saying necessarily uh, something definitive, but uh, about the character's sexuality, but that the narrative itself is about the the this longing this uh, between longing. these men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. that in and I'll of itself, I, I think that's that in and of itself. Plus. As a viewer, I'm like. Also, I think Galoo is suppressing something in him as well. That right. that's also. And and they you know they have this thing with his girlfriend, but he like there there's almost like a, a a chasm between him and this quote unquote girlfriend that he has. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they they. They're together, but they don't feel together at any point. Like I don't even think they really like talk to each other much. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. tells us about her, and she talks about him to other people, but we don't see them have interactions like like much uh, verbal interactions. Really, like we don't see a, a a chemistry there or anything like that. You know,
0: mm. yeah, it's it's a, like again, it's weirdly stilted, all like that stuff, which is part of the dance floor stuff. Mm-hmm. until the final act yeah uh the other thing about this movie is i think it's funny that you didn't clock the straight edge back rocker
1: <laughs> i did not i when when you brought it up i definitely noticed him in the next movie we're going to talk about right He's the right, same right. actor but no i didn't really notice i, I noticed he had tattoos but mm-hmm. i didn't really pay attention to what they said or anything like that i just was like oh that guy's got tattoos um but that is funny that that was part of it yeah
0: yeah, he also, he sang for a hardcore band or still sings for a hardcore band in France.
1: <laughs> Crazy. And he's in two Claire Denis. He's probably in more Claire Denis
0: movies. Yeah, like. yeah, he's in the two Claire Denis movies that we're discussing today. So there's that.
1: Yeah, that's funny. That's really <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I Ultimately,
0: think, I love this movie. I think it's sure. awesome. It's definitely a movie that is a visual movie at its base. It's 100% one of those, the poetry of the moving image kind of movies. Does that make sense? It's a movie that is highly visual. That the narrative, the spoken spoken stuff is like there and it's fine and it leads the eye. But the whole story is told in what it doesn't show and what it does show.
1: Yeah.
0: It's gorgeous. I think um, it's beautiful.
1: I think you're right about the dancing. I think it's also you know uh, I read a piece uh by uh Dave White, who I already mentioned once uh it was it wasn't by him, it was a conversation with between him and another uh, uh critic. And they were talking about how a lot of reviewers of the film write off that final dance sequence as something Oh, no, like that's the silly most or something. part of the movie like that's and I think that's it's intentional, the ultimate
0: transla- that's the ultimate transformation of the character.
1: yeah. And I think it's intentional, the music, like he pointed out that like electronic music is mm-hmm. written off because it's associated with women and gay people. And I think that that's true to a large extent that like if a movie features because the movie has that's uh, something we haven't really mentioned the soundtrack in this movie is incredible. Right. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of like very horror themes. There are moments where nothing is happening on screen to make you feel tense, but this music is telling you to feel all the tension in the world. It's really building it up. And then when there are these dance sequences with this dance music, especially the final one, people Mm. write them off as somehow less serious, like I guess critics. Mm. And to me, that wasn't the case at all. There is, there is almost like a crescendo in using that song at the end. It is kind of a perfect song for that sequence. And I don't know, I don't know how you felt about it, but I found the ending incredibly emotionally cathartic. And yeah. not that there isn't emotions involved in the rest of the movie, but so much of it is about frustration and mm-hmm. about um, tension, just like uh, not releasing tension either, like things building mm-hmm. up. Even when the scenes where he has been expelled from the French Foreign Legion, which, by the way, French Foreign Legion is such a fucking weird idea to me (laughs) they're like we need an army of foreigners so they can become frenchmen and we can have a bigger army yeah okay that's weird but sure and then it's actually a thing if i always heard it as like a joke in a fucking looney tunes cartoon i'm joining the french foreign legion but like you know it's a real thing and they do stuff anyways um but you know the idea like even when he's not there when he's back in france and he's reading Uh the story all those scenes are also tense When he's up in that tree trimming the tree so weird. It's the most basic what thing in the doing? world, yeah. and it freaks me out. It freaks me out. So um, there's just something about that final dance sequence as the catharsis of two hours of te- – or it's not really two hours, it's like an hour and a half, but of mm. nonstop tension, of just a buildup well, of anxiety. The final,
0: it's the final expression – of the actual inner atmosphere of the Galu character
1: yeah right
0: it's the physical manifestation of all of that turmoil and storm and it's so beautiful but it's also so physical yeah and that's why for me i felt that level of catharsis or that cathartic like exposition for lack of better term so good so good
1: a great freaking movie guys
0: 100 percent. in contrast the second movie that we watched <laughs> was one that liam picked and it's called let the sunshine in and here's the thing about this movie okay
1: okay wait before you go on and on with this let me just say there are four claire denis movies on the criterion channel so you know i had a 25 a, percent a chance of picking something good i guess you picked one and i just picked one that I hadn't heard a lot of people talk about, and I had no idea what I was picking.
0: <laughs> that said, tell us about this movie, Liam.
1: Okay. I mean, I'll say straight up front, I didn't mind this movie, I think, as much as you did. Um mm. uh so um oh, why is her name just gone out of my head? Juliette Binoche. Thank you. Juliette Binoche is a uh woman who we see is in a pretty unhealthy relationship. She's with this guy. He sucks. He's a dick. He's awful. The banker. And um, as she leaves him and moves on throughout the movie, we see her go through a series of relationships uh, with an actor, uh, with her ex, uh, Mm -hmm. a variety of places. And um, she's consistently trying to have intimacy and connection with these people. And it's not going well. Uh, and she is frustrated um, and she, I think, is pretty uncomfortable with where her life is at. She feels like this might be it for her. And there are a number of situations that the, the one of the most excruciating is with this actor where they're like talking to each other and talking to each other. And all they really want is for someone to have the forward motion to say, just come inside so we can have sex. Yes. But they they just won't. They're just like circling around this idea, and she just keeps having these. Um, I, I, I you know I think it's too judgmental to say unhealthy, but, but it's one hundred percent frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it's unfulfilling connections with people. But it's and, awful to watch. See, I don't agree. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> uh, well, we'll get to it. Uh, and then it, it it just builds up in anxiety and frustration. Uh, until she has this meeting with uh, Gerard, Gerard Depardieu, who plays nowhere. a psychic, and he <laughs> does a reading with her, and the movie ends with this reading. In While which,
0: he's doing the reading.
1: Yeah, in which he's describing, and it is it is the weirdest climax of a film, and I, I feel like it is doing something, um, but I don't know what that something is. Yeah, um, But but I do think it's interesting because it's the only time we see Juliette Binoche happy the entire film. Yeah,
0: it's the only time she smiles in the
1: entire yeah. movie. Yeah, where he's vaguely describing to her how things are going to work out. Okay, so Josh, you really disliked this movie, and I wanted you to go through a little bit of like what wasn't working for you. What you know, obviously the stuff you liked too. But what was some of the stuff that wasn't clicking for you about this movie?
0: Well, here's the thing: my only experience with Claire Denis prior to this was watching Beau Travet just for this this episode. And uh, you haven't I, seen any of her other movies? No. Oh, no, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So Beau Trevet is like it's the epitome of what you would expect brilliant. from a brilliant. French art house movie. It's brilliant in all the right ways. It doesn't it doesn't contend that the viewer is an idiot. It doesn't just give you something. Right, like it, it you have to unpack it in order for you to even bask in part of what it's even trying to touch. This movie felt like a romantic drama, which it was, and I just don't have the vocabulary for that. It's just not a I thing. I disagree.
1: For me. I disagree.
0: It it plays out in like there's still the same sense of foreignness in this movie, in that sure. Julia Pinoche has like this uh, aura about her where she's displaced. She's an older woman. She's divorced. Uh, she has a kid, but then she's like not really around that kid from what I can understand. And uh, I don't know. She's trying to still be like true to her artistic self while still navigating this lack of love in her life.
1: Fair. Yeah.
0: And um, I don't know, man. Like there's just parts of it that just seemed really hackneyed to me. And I just don't buy the, I I mean, also maybe it's user error. Maybe I'm just not into romantic dramas, which, you know,
1: See, I can't really I, think is, of too many that I'm way is, into. This is my big challenge to you. Okay. Take this movie as it is. The context uh-huh. it's in. Only replace it with 20-somethings and have it directed by Joe Swanberg. And you're on this (laughs) podcast saying it's a great movie and you fucking loved it. Right,
0: right, right. And now I'm watching uh, Drunk People or whatever. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. There isn't any likable characters in this movie for me to cling to. I don't
1: care about that. That doesn't matter. Likable characters, that's bullshit.
0: Is it bullshit? Yeah,
1: 100%. So, There are a million amazing. There are no likable characters in Bo Trevi. The only good person, you barely see them do anything and then they're dead. I mean, but I,
0: that's a likable character.
1: You, but you don't he care about him. An, you care about the bad guy of the movie. <laughs> I mean, he's not really the bad guy, but you know what I mean? The guy the who thing. That's murders the conflict, him. That's I don't who really you care think,
0: about. Okay, but here's the thing with this movie. None of these people get murdered, and that's a travesty, really.
1: <laughs> no, see, here, I, I, here's the difference. Here's what it boils down to. I, I legitimately thought this watching, watch watching because I watched it after you told me that you didn't like it. And I, and that's so I was like, okay. So I started watching it. And I don't think it's as compelling or as interesting for mm-hmm. me as Botravide. However, watching it, I thought, oh, Josh doesn't like this because he barely dated. And if he, if he had yeah. spent time dating, he <laughs> would not love this movie, but he'd have a different reaction, which is the reaction I had, which is uncomfortable familiarity. Ooh. Now, I am not the age of Juliet Binoche, but have I been her in a relationship? Yes. Have I been the actor in a relationship? Fucking yes. Like, the reality is, if you had spent more time in the trenches, my man, you would, you would be watching <laughs> this movie going, oh shit, this was, if, if things hadn't worked out for me, I might be one of these fucking people. Because the reality is, what the movie does that I think is actually fucking amazing is it uh-huh. manages to tell a really... I don't want to say a really kind of dark narrative about how unfulfilling relationships can be, without uh-huh. judgment. Like this movie doesn't judge Juliette Binoche for yeah. for being, quite honestly, at times pathetic you know mm. because she really is settling for some of the shittiest people and at one point she straight up says that her attraction to the one man was cuz he was an asshole in fact like mm. the more she thought about how much of an asshole he was at, when they were first together the more it turned her on you know right. because he's he's just gross and i that idea that there's something interesting in someone just actually being kind of gross i totally get that 100% <laughs> understand it the parts where her and the actor are talking around the idea that they just want to fuck, but neither one of them is willing to be the one that says that. I totally get that. I've been in that situation. I understand it 100%. It is the most embarrassing, awkward thing in the fucking world. And all of that is communicated in the movie. Um, in fact, for me, I again, I don't love this movie. But a lot of it I thought was really fucking brilliant. I think they really executed, like Claire Denis really got across some really awkward reality in this movie. Um, Mm. The only part of it that I really didn't like is how, well, I wouldn't say I didn't like. The only part of it that was difficult for me is the ending. Because mm-hmm. I think that there's something important. Actually, I don't think it's a frivolous ending, which is how mm-hmm. I think a lot of people took it. Is like, well, it's
0: very easy to read it as a frivolous ending because you're throwing Gerard Depardieu in there out of nowhere, literally nowhere, and you make him a psychic.
1: Yeah, but uh, again, I hate to like tell tales on people, but you have parents who are, you know. In a relationship. So you've never had to go to a psychic with your mom because she has relationship problems. True. But a this lot of people have, true. including me. Like, this Whoa. is a thing that happened to many people you know, Josh. This is the reality is that uh, I, this movie is for a certain kind of folks that you uh-huh. don't understand because you are a second generation immigrant. <laughs> and your parents were not fucking boomers who were dating into their 50s, you know, like that's you know, this is just a thing that makes sense to some people, and again, I don't know if it's the best portrayal of that, you know, I don't know if it's the most insightful, I don't know if it has you know, there's probably criticisms to make, but a Mm -hmm. lot of it just felt to me like, god damn, this movie, even though it is, I think it's meant to be a bit of a caricature at times, Mm -hmm. I think overall it's almost too realistic in how it's portraying these things, and I very much. Was like, ugh, only for the grace of God is that not me. You know? <laughs> Dude, uh, I must
0: be so monumentally naive, is what it comes down to. If that's no, the case. I wouldn't
1: put it that way. I just said, you've, I, to me, you've just had different experiences. You know, you um, found someone, you don't have parents that were dating while you were an adult. Like, you just, this is not your world, but you've heard <laughs> stories. I I'm know, sure I if mean- you really think about it, you can think of people in your life in your band, for whom if you showed them this movie, they'd be like, oh, this is all too real. Because I think that's the reality. (laughs) And I think what the movie does is it both, this is for me, and I'm not making a grand pronouncement, but for me as a viewer, it felt like the movie was both showing us, uh, Juliette Binoche, in some really pathetic situations, but Mm. still allowing that character the dignity of being a real person. And and a real person who has to deal with real shit. And that's hard. And and yeah. that love is is awkward and, and difficult. And I, I do wonder if there's some feeling here around these are all people with money and they live in the city and they're very like cool and artsy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there is. But, I, but again, this is where the one place I will disagree with you about this very strongly is that there is a still a bit of a class critique here, right? When she yeah. finally finds someone who makes her feel happy, her friend ruins it because dude, she's like. It- no, before that, the guy uh, she dances with. No, no, no. You uh, missed. That was the most important part of the movie. No, she no, no. I got that. That friend the And then and her, then friend her shames shitty her. fucking yeah. friend talks, basically talks her out of the relationship. And you know, they say they keep talking about art, art. Well, he's not an artist, artist. But you know, that's about class, right? That's yeah, not really yeah, about yeah. art because any any anyone could be an artist. That's not the thing. The thing is, is that he is a working class guy who didn't go to college. And then mm. that's like not acceptable. And all of that is not real, right? Like any man who's having that conversation. Well, let me put this other way. Any cishet man who's having that uh-huh. conversation with a, with their attractive, also heterosexual friend. It's because he wants to have sex with you. Like none of that was <laughs> real. That was him playing you know shooting his shot by ruining her current relationship and hoping that he could walk into the flames you know right 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 Um, right. i will agree there's also hope with the with the other guy but again she's not willing to wait you know and Mm. and straight up like this is not me at 43 or me at 30 but at like 26 i definitely had some very nice friends who expressed interest but like were very much on the like let's be calm adults about this. And I was like, nah, dog, that's not for me. (laughs) You can go be a calm adult with somebody else. I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to get (laughs) not your man. Not your man. Yeah. 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 So like, I I mean, I think, I think that's the reality is that like, uh, I think there's a lot of truth to this movie, but I also agree with what you said that like, even if I'm right and like, there is a lot more here to value than what you felt like you got out of it. I also agree with you. This is the worst case scenario to watch this fucking movie. We just watched Bo, Bo Chabai, Chabai. Yeah. possibly her best movie, though, you know, people would argue, but one of her most hailed movies. And here we go to this movie, which, like, some people, like, I was just going off the reviews I was reading mm-hmm. online. Some people like this movie a lot, but a lot of people were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and so... um I just think we, we sort of set it up for failure. So, But I got set up for success because I went into it with you being like.
0: Fuck that movie.
1: Difficult to watch, almost unwatchable. And then I came out being like, well, that's fine. I mean, to me, it just <laughs> felt like an older female take. On a a, and this sounds like an insult. Some people think this is an insult, but I don't mean it that way. On a Joe Swanberg style movie, on a relationship movie. It's just, we are used to relationship movies being about lost 20-somethings or possibly 30-somethings. And so the idea of here's divorced Juliette Binoche, a mom in her, I think she must be in her 50s in the movie or, or at least later 40s. And she's just out here seducing married men and it's awkward. It's not even hot when she seduces these men. It's easy to be like, "What am I watching?" But the movie manages to tell that story to me without like making her seem bad. It's just you yeah. feel you feel bad for her in a way that, to me at least, it didn't play like judgment. And maybe some people will watch it and feel judged, but that's not what I got. I got yeah. humanity out of it, and I appreciated that. Now would I take it over Bojra? No. I, in, if if we're doing a direct comparison. You're absolutely right. This movie does not fucking compare to Beau Travai, but I still, I don't know. I found value in it and there were moments, not the whole thing, but moments where I was like, fuck, I know what that's about. I totally get what's going on here. And it, man, I feel red. I feel red for filth. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know.
0: I mean, you don't have to. Yeah, it, no, I you get don't it. like
1: it. You don't like it. I mean, you know, this is like you telling me about the the Poison concert. Sometimes we just don't see. I, eh, yeah, I might be wrong about neurosis. <laughs> I'm willing to admit I could be wrong about neurosis.
0: You should admit that you're wrong about Poison, but that's not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Look, it's not even Skid Row, man. Come on. Poison's so good though.
0: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So ultimately, I definitely would recommend Beau Chivai I don't know if I can recommend uh Let the Sunshine In unless you're a particular person that's not me in which case hey you know you might like it give it a shot
1: I mean I don't even know I I thought it was I thought there was a lot to like about it I still don't know that I would recommend it unless I knew I think I would only recommend it to people who wanted to try something different from this director like you've seen some mm. of her more well-known stuff and you want to see like something that feels outside. But again, there's a chunk of her movies that I haven't seen and you haven't seen any, but these two. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she has other movies like this one. I'm just going off of some of the reviews and some of the reviews were very much confused by this movie.
0: (laughs) Conflicted by this movie. Yeah. 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 So I want to see more movies like Bo Travai. I want to see more artistic takes that again, asks a different thing of the viewer than this one did.
1: Well, I think you should watch her follow up, trouble every day. And I will, because you it's talked got, about it a lot. It's got shitty Vincent Gallo in it, who sucks. Ugh, Vincent Gallo. He's the worst ever.
0: <laughs>
1: Fair enough. I, w- you know, we talked about Trouble Every Day on Horror Business, and Laura went on one about Vincent Gallo, but I hadn't done any research. So I was like, oh, what, the the... The guy from uh,
0: Buffalo '66. Buffalo
1: '66. He's, he's so bad. And then ever you know, then I found out from uh, people who are there like, no, 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 no. He's actually the fucking worst. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Literally, I know him <laughs> from Buffalo '66, and from he used to be important in hip hop. Like that's all I know about. Yeah, him, you know, and and the hip hop thing was like, that was mind blowing. When I thought he was just the Buffalo 66 guy. And I'm like, wait, this guy was around back in the day? Oh, shit. And now I find out he's actually a fucking monster. I'm like, god damn. Why does everyone from old hip-hop have to be so embarrassing? I
0: know, right? It's like, Jesus,
1: you guys have such
0: storied careers. You'd think you'd end on a good foot. But what do I know?
1: Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Anyways, anyway. he sucks, but I, I still like that movie.
0: Fair enough. Trouble every day. Gotta watch it. So is there anything else you want to add to our discussion on these two movies of Claire Denis?
1: Um, you know, we've, uh, you know, this is another place where we just stuck our toe in. I'm sure we'll come back to Claire Denis. I'm sure some people in our audiences in our audience are fans of her movies and no there's way more about her than no us. way more. So if yeah. you have some insight or you want to recommend us to do something the next time, hit us up. You know, that's what our social media or an email is for. You know, we're on all the platforms, CINEPUNX, or you can email us CINEPUNX at gmail.com.
0: All right. Sweet. So anyway, that's the end of our episode. Thank you for listening as always rate review and subscribe because it's a currency that podcasters like us rely on in order to grow. And, uh, yeah, if you have any insights, anything you want to talk to us about, hit us up on the socials. We're C I N E P O N X. And that's all we got to say about that. You got anything else you want to add, Liam? Nah, dog. Nah, dog. Let's know for me. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you next time. Keep it real and we'll see you then smoke bomb do you like
1: spooky movies hair raising tales insightful criticism
0: judgmental hot takes
1: then you're gonna love car business the horror podcast and the cinepunks podcast network dedicated to all things weird and spooky my name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lohr. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not so favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Seminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. <laughs>